0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, hey, we are going to continue on our series. Uh, Pastor Steve started this off last week, Are You My Neighbor?, And uh, the great commandment is something that really we need to take seriously. And last week, Pastor Steve laid a foundation concerning loving God uh, as he walked through a question that one of the Bible experts of Jesus' day uh, brought up. And his question to Jesus in Luke 10 was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, so Jesus, in his ability, uh, turns the question back around to him in a certain way, and so the the Bible professor, uh, here he is, and the Savior's question was this, what does the Bible say? So Jesus asked him, then, what does it say to you? So really, he's calling him to task on this, and uh, and the professor, the, the expert in the law, responds by quoting the Old Testament to Jesus, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So last week, we walked through what it looks like to love God, and in some sense, our love for God is shown by how we spend our time. It's where we invest ourselves. But the interesting thing is, is that it's almost impossible to divide loving God from loving loving our neighbor. And one reason is that Jesus said words like this over in Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 to 40. He said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? These are people responding to Jesus. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, "I I tell you whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's so easy for us to ignore our neighbor while we still believe we love God. And uh, Jesus uh, and the professor agreed on what the Bible actually said, because uh, the Old Testament guy, the uh, Bible professor, he quotes him, uh, quotes back the Scripture, but Jesus in Luke 10 was going to make sure that the professor knew who the neighbor really was. For us today, we need to be able to consider what does love your neighbor really look like? What does it look like? How is this lived out in front of us? And how do we live this thing out in our lives? To honestly love your neighbor, it may cause you some complications. And I'm sure that many of you, if I ask you to raise your hand and and, uh, you would respond to, has it caused you complications? I'm sure you would raise your hand and say, yes. But inconvenience is one of those issues that we all face as we openly interact with others around us so if you're going to show love towards your neighbor it may bring some challenges to you in time but that's okay right It's okay it's something that we need to allow to happen There was a lady named Mary and she was uh in her going to her midweek life group meeting and it was there that she was going to be with several friends they were going to pray together have a time of worship and then kind of look over a Bible study and see what the pastor had said on Sunday morning. And so uh, this week they were going to uh, talk about the difference between going to church and being the church. And so uh, she was looking forward to seeing her friends and having a, a great discussion with them. And as she's grabbing her keys, getting ready to run out the door, uh, there's a knock on her door, and it's Sue, one of her neighbors, and uh, Sue asked her, she, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, would you be able to help me this morning? And um, she wa- Mary was about ready to say, well, I've got to go somewhere, and I can, can, can help you later, but then she stopped and said, yes, I'll help you. And, and uh, so she was going to take her. Uh, she had had her vehicle was in the shop, and she needed some help. Uh, She said, normally when I take my car to the shop, I would walk or ride my bike or something like that to be able to get back home, but I can't do it because I've hurt my back. And so Mary helped her out, and and Mary only found uh, that this neighbor that she only knew by sight, she found that she was going through some real challenges in her life. She found that she was caring for her husband who had dementia and it was an exhausting job to be a caregiver of someone who was struggling. And she listened and she promised to pray and she offered to help in any way she could and Mary didn't get off to her small group that morning simply because she had other business she ended up needing to take care of. She took Christ's love to her neighbor who was in need at that time and in a difficult situation. So you may be inconvenienced at times when you find an opportunity to show love to a neighbor, and Mary really could have, she could have chosen not to do that and just went on to her small group because, you know, that was the spiritual thing to do, we think. And really, the story's not all that far off from the Good Samaritan that we're looking at over in Luke chapter 10. And before we go on there, let's check out something else that Jesus taught over in Luke chapter 6, and before he meets this Bible expert, this expert in the law, and Jesus had been teaching about how to treat your enemy over in chapter 6 in verse 27 and 31, and he said these words, he said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Really, this is significant. And then he says, do do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, we've all heard that, and you may see that on somebody's placard at their business or whatever. But I think sometimes they don't always get the context of what's being said here. Hey, you've got to love your enemy. And uh, so Jesus was pretty strong when he dealt with things like this. And uh, this is a high requirement. But here in our passage, in Luke chapter 10... With the Good Samaritan, he was not really talking about enemies. He was talking about loving your neighbor. But you have to step back, you have to think of just a little bit. Uh, because if we're to love our enemies, how can you love your neighbor any less? Well, the, well, the answer is you can't. You just can't love them less. Earlier I said that uh, to love your neighbor, you may face some inconvenience, yet uh, to love your neighbor, it may give you some benefits as well. That doesn't mean the only reason you love others is to get something back because that's not right, it's the right, not the right motive, but when you love others, there will be something that comes back to you in return. And living in community means that you have something to give of yourself, not only receive, but you have something to give of yourself. And you may help your neighbor trim their bushes that they're in their yard, and maybe they need some help, and you help do that. And then your mower breaks down and so your neighbor comes by and says, hey, I'll take care of that. And they get their mower, and they mow your lawn, and you go on. And, and, and that's just part of life where we work together and we interact as a community. Let's go to our regular passage this morning here in Luke 10, though, and see what Jesus and uh, this uh, Bible expert have to say, but verse 29 of Luke 10, and it should be on the screen for you, it says, but he, this is the Bible expert, wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Here's the guy laying there half dead. And and verse 31 says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed on the other side. So at this point, we have two different people who are possible rescuers so they could have stepped into the scene and helped this victim they could have been there for him but let's look at this first guy we're going to look at the first guy the first guy was the priest and now he's not like a priest that we would think about in our world today and most would uh that most of us would think about really this is an old testament priest they had a set of rules and regulations under the old covenant which we're not under now, we're under the new covenant, but they had to follow these rules and regulations uh, to be able to serve God faithfully in the office that they held. And so this priest comes meandering by, he comes by and and here he sees this victim, the victim's still lying there, And, and since the man was half dead, the priest would probably not be able to tell if the guy was really living or what. And so the only way to find out, he's probably going to have to, like, poke him or something and say, hey, is this guy dead or what? But he's taking a chance if he pokes him, because if he touched him and the man was really dead, then he would have to become ceremonially unclean, and the Old Testament priests were not supposed to be doing that. Now Leviticus, chapter 21, verses 1 to 3, now everybody loves to read Leviticus, right? Right? Some of you go there every day, you know, yeah. And, of course, Old Testament, Old Covenant, and it says this. This was the rule for priests. It says, a priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die, except for a close relative, such as his mother or father, his son or daughter, his brother, or an unmarried sister who's dependent on him, since she has no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. So we see that he was allowed to do it under certain cases, but he was not really supposed to do it otherwise. And, and this priest could only be sure to keep his ceremonial purity only by leaving this guy alone. Here's the guy, he's half dead, the scripture says, he's lying, uh, you know, lying on the side of the road, lying in a ditch, I don't know, and he, 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 there he is. And uh, this was a major conflict for the priest. Was he going to ignore God's rule? You just heard it. That was God's rule, right? He, was he going to ignore God's rule that was set in front of him and become unclean? only way he could be sure not to neglect this victim was to put his hand on him and try to see if he was alive, and if he was alive, then he was okay to help him to some level, and in this conflict, it was ceremonial purity that really won that day for him anyway not only did he not help the victim but he went on the other side of the road so you got to think through what this guy went through he deliberately avoided any possibility of contact with him and other things may have bothered him as well maybe there were some other robbers that could, the robbers could have still been around there or uh, he didn't know the nature of the victim's business. He wasn't sure about that and so on. We really don't know. Uh, we do know that the priest left the man where he was in his suffering and in his need. So the question is, did he love his neighbor? No, right? He didn't really love his neighbor at this point, and he he thought he was loving God by following Uh, One of the Bible's Old Testament rules, which he was supposed to follow, but there's more to the story. There's more. There's the other side of this, and this really is an issue of convenience for him. Sure, it it may have to do with spirituality and stuff, but it's an issue of convenience. The priest hid behind his religious duty at this point. He, he only looked at part of God's direction because, yes, part of God's direction for him that he was supposed to stay clean, he wasn't supposed to touch this person, etc. Uh, but now we, we find that uh, we're so far removed from this kind of thing that it may be hard for us to understand uh, in today's age because it's a little bit different and you have to understand his plight in some sense. Well, let's walk through some more of the Old Testament. I don't have it up here on the screen for you, but uh, numbers nineteen shows us that the priests they would have to they would have had to have gone through seven days of purification uh, to be considered clean and to continue to lead worship and do sacrifices and everything to serve others in the temple if that man would have been dead if he would have touched him. so he would have had to gone through all these procedures he If he was unclean at this stage, he would have missed the holy festivals, and you know, his job was to help at those things, and all because he would have touched a dead man. But that, that would have been like having to take a leave of absence for your job without pay for seven days, possibly. So the priest would not have been able to take part in the sacrifices, so he couldn't eat the portion that was allotted to him, and he didn't have sick days accrued or bereavement pay. So he was going to have to go for seven days unclean. So if he was going to have to do that, he needed to make it good for when he tried to help this guy, right? So even if the priest had to lose a day of work, or a week of work, we should say, if his heart wasn't in it, uh, he probably wouldn't have done it, as we see. But if his heart was in it, he probably would have done it. But the lack of convenience got in his way. Now, sure, uh, the priest had the responsibility to stay holy according to the Old Testament, but he also was called to love his neighbor. If you think about that, remember, that's part of the Old Testament, too, when Jesus said that. That came out of the Old Testament scriptures, out of the books of Moses, and that love your neighbor included him as well. Did he love his neighbor? Well... He could have checked on the man who could have been dead and then taken seven days to be purified. But you know, if he only would have checked, maybe he would have been okay and wouldn't have had to have gone through the seven days of purification. And you say, what what does all this have to do with us today? What does this matter to us? Well, it does matter to us. Because we have to be able to look through this and recognize how sometimes inconvenience and, and sometimes the scripture where it tells us to do a certain thing over here, it may say to do something over here. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to understand. And we need to study to show ourselves approved so that when we get in those situations, we can step out of our little box and affect the world. You know that if he would have only checked, remember the man did live, didn't he? He did live, he, he could have helped him and then gone on his priestly duties, but, but the fear of the unknown paralyzed him. It kept him from doing what was right. He was doing what was right on one side, but he wasn't doing what was right on the other side. He could have conceded and allowed this to go to the side for a while, his priestly duties, and done this over here and then happened to walk through the purification. What's the loss of our time, really? When it comes to uh, being a neighbor towards others, what really does it matter? (laughs) What does it matter to us? You know, when I was growing up on the farm as a kid, I remember we had a neighbor. He's about six or seven miles away. You call that a neighbor on the farm, right? And uh, so uh, their farm was, you know, that far away from us at least. And uh, uh, the uh, the dad of the home, he had his own farm. You know, that's a business. He feeds his family by that business. He he makes the funds that he housed by that business, and so he had he had uh, contracted cancer, and he was very ill at the time, and so he had gotten to a place where he really wasn't able to do his farm work, and so uh, the it was planting season, and so here he was. Now uh, some would have even thought that, well, this guy can hire somebody else to be able to plant all his crops and uh, and go from there, but. But he chose not to do that. It's expensive to do that. And and so the farmers, my dad and my uncle and a whole bunch of people in the area finally decided, hey, this guy needs help. And so they brought all their equipment, all their farm equipment, and then this man provided the fuel to run their equipment. And they went out and they planted all of his crops, all that was remaining that needed to be done. They took care of it. And so then uh, the guy starts getting better a little bit during the summertime and he's able to cultivate when they did that back then and and so he's able to take care of stuff in the summer and then the then the fall comes along and as the fall comes along he starts getting sicker again and things aren't going too well for him and so uh when harvest season comes they they come in with their very expensive all these different farmers again come in now These some of their equipment's a half nearly a half a million dollars and they brought their own stuff in with his fuel and they harvested all of his crops and they took care of all of it and so who was the neighbor the neighbor was not the guys on the sideline that said well it's a business he can tend to it himself but the neighbor was those guys that said you know what we'll come in and we'll do what we can uh to be able to help this guy out and you may not have a situation like that. That maybe that's so extreme. Maybe it's something really small. I don't know what it is. Maybe your neighbor is different than that, and, and maybe your neighbor all they need is a Meals on Wheels or something, something to be able to help them. But we all have to recognize that no matter how inconvenient it is, we'll all have the opportunity to help other people. It's on the side of the road at times, and this is what it's really like to love your neighbor. It may not even be this time-consuming as it was for these guys when they did all that work. And sometimes it's easier than it looks, isn't it? Sometimes you step out and all it is is a plate of food and it's not a big deal. And that helps them to get over the hump and they're able to get through and keep going on. But let's look at this second person here. We've looked at the priest for just a moment, but now let's look at the Levite now the Levite, he, this guy, he's not much different than the first guy. They come from the same tribe. They're from the twelve tribes of Israel. And you may ask, what's a Levite? Well, uh, he was too. In some sense, he was a religious person, and he might be expected to be interested in helping somebody, uh, especially someone in need. But he would have been a man who is also interested in ceremonial uh, ceremony purity. And so he uh, also thought it was better not to get involved, and he passed by on the other side. Uh, the Levite, he was, he was one of those uh, that uh, Levites, they were where the priests come from, as I mentioned, the, in their family line. And, and so the people who were listening to Jesus, Jesus is telling the story to them of the Good Samaritan. And, and they would have expected a priest, and they would have expected a Levite to, to be followed by an Israelite layman, just your normal uh, Aaron or Zechariah or whoever, and that there's going to follow this. But Jesus introduces someone to them that they never would have expected to be here. It was a Samaritan who would have been, by their standards, considered to be a half-breed, somebody who was part. Syrian and somebody who was part uh, 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 Jewish, uh, Israelite, and in light of the bitterness between the Israelites and the Samaritans, a Samaritan would have been the last person that they would have expected to come along and help this guy who was in need. He had compassion on the guy that was suffering. He attended to him the best he could on the spot. Let's look there together in verse 33 as we see... Uh, continue the story and this is what uh, is said from the gospels it says but a Samaritan it's quoting Jesus but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine and then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him so he's taking care of the guy the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He's like, he gets to the motel, he's like, uh, uh, to the innkeeper, you've got to take care of this dude, he needs some help, and uh, here's some cash, uh, and uh, he gets him there, and, and he looks at, then it goes on to say here, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, extra expenses you may have. So it tells this to the guy at the motel, and he says, hey, make sure you take care of him. If if he eats too many burritos or whatever it is, just all take care of it. Don't worry about it. And uh, so then Jesus says in verse 36, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of of robbers? Well, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. It was that guy. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Go live it out. You know what's right. You know that this is the guy that had mercy, and he's telling him, "Go and be like a Samaritan. Go and be like this guy you don't like." <laughs> In fact, I was watching a a show here a while back, and they were they were racing, and uh, they were racing the Baja One Thousand, and and. Uh, Somebody broke down, and uh, when he broke down, they they like broke some serious parts in the suspension of their vehicle, so they couldn't really move. And so they go to some of the others, and they say, hey, do you have these heim, they call them heim joints, you don't care, but anyway, they have these heim joints, and do you guys have any, do you have any? And, And one guy looked at him and said this to him, he said, well... He said, uh, you're on the opposite team, and I've got two men racing against you, so it's our it's our, uh, standard that we don't help anybody that we're racing against. And uh, so they said, okay, that's fine, no problem. And they went on, and because of that, they found some other parts, but the parts didn't work, and so they weren't even able to finish the race. And then these guys, who I presume are unbelievers, they... they uh, here they are, and somebody else comes along in their race car. They're out of the race. He's a different class of a race car. And he comes up, and they said, Hey, we've got this problem. They didn't want to have to get out of their race car, get all unbuckled and everything, because they're like latched in there. You couldn't get out if you tried. And so they, they said, Would you tie this down for us? And they said, Sure, we'll do it. And so they tied it down for him, and they said, Yeah, I'll pay it forward to help somebody else out. The Samaritans do it. Can we do it? I think it's a good reminder for us, right? So what does, your, what does love your neighbor look like? So before we actually consider what it looks like, let's look at the word love in verse 27 here. And uh, your, love your neighbor as yourself. The word love here is agapeo. Some say agape. It's agapeo here. And it's a love of choice, it's a love of loyalty, it's that Christian love, that powerful love of choice that God had for us, and then we in turn can have towards others. If we exercise it toward other believers, or if it's toward people in general, uh, it's not an impulse from our feelings, it's not that feel-good love that we have. Uh, this kind of love does not always run with your natural tendencies, with your likes, with your dislikes. This love doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't uh, uh, spend itself only upon those uh, people who have the same views as you. If you're a Democrat, you can love the Republican. If you're a Republican, you can love the Democrat. All those things. I hate to bring up the politics, but whatever. Hey, hey reality's there. I will say no more about that. But anyway, <laughs> what does it look like? Love seeks, this kind of love seeks the welfare of everyone, and it isn't hostile to anyone. Love seeks opportunity to do good to all men and especially towards them that are of the household of faith, the scripture tells us. So we have two great options set before us as we look at this and as we interpret love your neighbor. First, you can love your neighbor because they are like you. Or second, you can love them because you love yourself. So let's look at this first one for just a few minutes. We're not going to take long here. It shouldn't be more than an hour and a half. (laughs) Some of you are already hungry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Love your neighbor because they are like you. They have idiosyncrasies like you. Others around you have those quirks, those unusual ways around, about them, but that does not mean they should be left unloved. Just like the neighbor put down the, down the street from you, maybe the, every time they see you in the grocery store. Maybe they come to your cart and, and talking to you and say, hey, how you doing? What would you buy? And then they start rummaging through your cart to see what you bought. You're like, what in the world? But then with the same neighbor, then you, when you go past their house and you walk past their house, you kind of, instead of going on the sidewalk and walking the way you're supposed to, you kind of cross across the corner of their yard. You have your things too, right? We all have those little things in our lives. We all have quirks and unusual ways around uh, about us loving your neighbor because they are like you is important quirks and all no matter what they're like what really makes you any better what makes you better than your neighbor or what makes your neighbor better than you really there is nothing But there's something else we can look at here. We also realize that your brokenness, who is like you, they have brokenness. So you can love them. Your neighbors around you, just like you, have brokenness. They've sinned. They've made some serious mistakes in their lives that have caused them at times uh, to have faced uh, suffering or to face consequences that they never thought that they would face in their lives. And it could be that they have faced those consequences simply from the decisions of others. Maybe it was an unwanted divorce. Or maybe it was a loss. They may be just like you. Maybe some have faced the repercussions from an illness that they did not cause. It just happened. They may be just like you. So you should be willing to be able to turn towards them and choose to love and to care for them. Sometimes you may forget uh, that you've been in a similar circumstance to someone else. Oh, but mine was different, right? My situation wasn't the same. Well, it probably wasn't exactly the same. (laughs) Really, they're the same. So they have quirks. Your neighbors have brokenness. But so do you. So do I. We all do they also have selfishness. Now, they only have selfishness, right? Not us. They, whoever they is, they have selfishness. They're just like you and me. They want, they want what they want. That's what they want. They want the massive TV because they can't afford the vacation. So you look at them as irresponsible. You want an awesome car because you can't afford the luxury house. You both want what you want, so really, who's better here? You both are the same. Love your neighbor because you are both the same. You aren't better because your TV is awesome, and they aren't better because they went on a cool vacation. Love your neighbor. The second way that you can look at this passage is in this. Love them like you love yourself. You care for your own needs, right? You care for your needs. If you, you, treat your, you treat your needs. You try to help yourself if you have a problem. Uh, you buy things that you want for yourself if you can afford it. And, and, and if you hurt your foot, if you, if you trip and you break your foot, you go to the doctor, and get it checked out, and you ask others to pray for you, all those kind of things. Yet one of the problems we have in this area is that some people don't appropriately love or care for themselves. They have such a low view of self that it causes them to have a very low view of other people. This even takes us back to the very start when I started out this morning and when I mentioned that Jesus said about loving your enemy in Luke 6. He said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Sometimes seeing change in other people tends to be having... It starts with us changing in ourselves and how we view them. Some have such a poor view of themselves that they have lost respect for their own lives. But this is where you need to remember what the Scripture says about you. In Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God even said to Jeremiah, over in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, these words. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God knew you. He's no respecter of persons. He knew you before you were born. He designed you in the womb, no matter what you were like. Maybe one arm was shorter than the other. I don't know. Maybe you had other uh, challenges. Maybe you're like my son and has Down syndrome. Not perfectly made, but he is perfectly made. You can look at the scripture and see what it says. And you look at yourself and say, oh, how could God love me? Well, God does love you because he created you and he formed you and His in me. God created you, He created you to love and to be loved, and don't let your negative or other false views of yourself prevent you from being a person who's willing to love others. So as we wrap this up this morning, as we conclude, we need we have to think about these things because how is it that we love our neighbor? How is it that we love them? Healthy loves mean that you will care for yourself, but healthy love will also care for others. Being outside of our little box, being outside of our little group, those that we're comfortable with, that we can actually step out of ourselves and be able to reach out to others, recognizing that our little group doesn't have everything, we need one another in the Lord. We even, there are people that aren't even here yet. They haven't even come to faith yet. They are still in the muck, in the mire in their life. They're still dealing with other things, and they may even be the cool people, whatever. And they're outside. They have, they're not yet here, but we need them because Christ wants them. He says in His Word over in Romans, if I can remember it, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You realize that? He died for us when we were messed up, when we were broken. And all these things, he died for us then. He loved us then and he still loves us now. And he wants us for his own. It may not always be convenient. It may not always be easy for us. But what Jesus did on the cross wasn't easy either. He laid his life down on the cross so that we may have a friendship, a fellowship with God. Yet instead of being broken and undone like us, he carried our brokenness for us. The opportunity really is set before each and every one of us today to love our neighbors. No matter how quirky, no matter how broken, no matter how selfish they are, just remember that they're really just like you. Just like me. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. Then we're going to sing a song. And then we're going to have, of our prayer team would come at this point, if our prayer teams would come and join us here, you may have a need. You may want us to pray with you concerning something. Maybe you're facing a challenge in your life and maybe you need healing. Maybe you need... To reach out to somebody and you know that the only way that you can reach out to them is with God's help Well, He's available. Maybe at this point in this time you recognize you need to place your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus. He's here to give you an opportunity to start again. He cares for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, because you are merciful and you are kind. You were kind enough that you loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were broken, while we were messed up. You loved us, and we thank you for that. We ask you, Father God, to help us as your people to love our neighbors, to see how to do it, even when it puts us in a in a fix, in a quandary, we're not sure how to do it, we know that you will help us as we seek your face. We ask you to help us this morning and we turn to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you-